I was like, let's just try and do this and let's try and smash it. Mm. And then hopefully this is going to be our future. There's hundreds and thousands of joinery companies and people doing wardrobes and beds and stuff. But like, we like, how can we make ourselves different? Today, we are interviewing Che and Tyler, who are the founders behind Harper Charles. They are a luxury interior design company who have worked for the likes of footballers, celebrities, high-profile individuals, and your high net worths. Find out how they went from a startup to a massive company. Be happy, never content, and make sure you're subscribing to the channel. Before we start this week's podcast, I have to give a special mention to our sponsors. I Secure Vehicles. They are a brilliant company, a family-run business, and they specialize in vehicle safety and security throughout the UK. I know this company very well, and I also know the people behind the brand. If you've been following me on my podcast journey and on social media, you will know that I love cars and so does my network. This is why I'm very, very excited to be working with iSecure Vehicles, and this is why we have chosen them to be our sponsors for the Stephen Sully Study Podcast. Their team are professionals, experts, and they're efficient. Once their product is installed on your car, your vehicles, you will have the peace of mind that your asset is protected. Trust me, do not wait until it's too late. Get protection now. For more information about their products, including dash cameras, undetected immobilizers, and also car tracking systems, head over to isecure-vehicles.co.uk. And remember to mention the Stephen Sully Study podcast sent you Right, welcome back to the podcast, the Steve Asali Study. We're here in Mayfair at Woodbury House. I've got two founders, two entrepreneurs in front of me that founded a company seven years ago. Seven years ago. Roughly about seven years ago, Harper Charles Co. Welcome on board. And I'm looking forward to this conversation, Che and Tyler. Thank you. Thank you. Our first podcast. Your first ever podcast. So, okay, I think the most relevant question to ask you then is, why do a podcast for the very first time? I think for us, we really wanted to just kind of explain our story, try and inspire some younger people as well. And I think what's important with us, it makes us quite unique, is the fact that we're very, we're relatively young in the industry that we're working in. So I think it's quite cool to kind of show our side of things and our twist of what we've done on, say, interior design and obviously bespoke furniture. Yeah, okay. For me, this is a really important podcast, and I'll tell you why. And this is my elevator pitch that I use on social media, Instagram, DMs, voice note when I'm trying to get a guest on. And it basically goes like this. I'm Stephen, I'm 37 years of age. And the reason why I tell you this irrelevant information is because when I was younger, there was no such thing as podcasts or even social media. Had there been... I think it would have given me a bit of direction or insight into other people's lives. Because when I was younger, I was a complete flop, I had no direction. Now I've got a gallery and I've been running my podcast for around about five years. My mission is to interview entrepreneurs, go-getters, moving and shakers to influence and to give hope to a younger demographic out there. So in short, I'd love to get you into the podcast. Let me know if you're up for it. And that is my pitch. But over time my audience or the podcast guests have gone towards like more sports people or or let's just say 
quote unquote celebrities or high profile people or sports people but really and truly the Stephen Sully study was started because I didn't know what I wanted to do with, with my life and listening to entrepreneurs or founders will give a young person a bit of insight and a bit of hope to learning a direction they want to go down so for me conversations like this conversations when I had it with house and house recently and also the kettle kids are really important for the channel because this is where the actual channel started from yeah mm, so definitely. this is why i thank you for coming on board today guys no, thanks, for having us. thanks for having us so harper charles what is harper charles and what do you guys do we're a high-end like um, furniture design company so interiors, right? yeah home interiors so like obviously majority of our work is high-end domestic um, so like we'll go into one of our clients' houses, we'll fully interior design it. Um, and then we also have our own group of joiners, um, obviously interior designers as well, upholsterers, and we'll go in and we'll create their dream home interior. Yeah. Kind of do the whole package yeah. under one roof, um, which is really important, obviously keeping everything under one roof. As, as founders, as business people, and someone yeah. that's building up a brand, I know fully well, having Woodbury House for almost 10 years now, yeah. you go through the rough and the smooth. Yeah. My question to you is, being in the luxury world, what challenges do you have, especially with today's economic climate? Um, challenges in regards to our clients? Everything, or, the brand, your industry, client, or, consumer confidence. I feel like probably with what we do, because I feel like maybe because we haven't, so like we've only been in this game for say seven years. So like we're a relatively new company, whereas with a lot of the luxury and the high-end clientele, which may challenge us, is that they may go for already, say, designing brands that they've been familiar with, say, for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. So like people that they've, do you know what I mean? Obviously always previously used. Same with art so, as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's very much like concept. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas like with your art, it's quite modern. It kind of feels modern now, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, that's... Well, I know you uh, shared this on the phone and also just, mm. just before we started recording, but the story how you got into this business, but more importantly together as a partnership yeah. is a very organic and, and, and a yeah, good very. one. And what we were saying upstairs in the gallery floor is... I feel like unless you're going to be a pilot, unless you're going to be a doctor or a nurse or something specific like a dentist, you have to go through the school, higher education, university, etc. Then yeah. you have to go on a course. But as an entrepreneur, a lot of the times I feel like you're going to go in your gut and, and also a feeling. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important for young on, entrepreneurs to know because sometimes we all get frustrated because we haven't figured it out yet. Well, that's the point. You're, you're just going your gut and you will figure it out as long as you're positive, you're working hard and you've got good intentions. Yeah. So you never had plans when you were both younger to start Harper Charles and have this luxury interior design company, whereas now you've got 18, 18 employees, you're yeah. doing high-end homes, you're working with footballers, celebrities, people in the public domain. Mm. Talk to me about how you guys got together and kicked off this brand. We met when we were about 17 through our ex-girlfriends. Okay. And Che was an upholsterer by trade. He worked with his dad in his dad's upholstery shop doing a re-upholstery, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I got an apprenticeship straight after school. Um, pretty much my dad pushed me down the route saying, get a job, fell into a, a joinery apprenticeship. Same, same as me, I told you about, I was yeah. a plumber and yeah. my mum and dad guided me into being a, becoming a plumber. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't, didn't really have a choice in the thing. So did an apprenticeship for three years, 
and then yeah we kind of met along the way we met so one of one of well our ex-girl previous girlfriends yeah. were we was at an all they went to an all-girls school and it was like they had all like the rugby boys there and whatnot their prom invites so we got invited to their prom we were out of place but me and him hit it off yeah. and then from then obviously our, our friendship yeah become so that was when we were 17 um and then so yeah so when we carried on obviously i had my um upholstery background which i worked with my dad so i remember i went worked with my dad throughout a summer at school and um i went back to do my as levels i went in for a day and i just thought i hate this i was like this ain't for me so i remember i come home i said to my mum, i was like mum, i was like i've quit school i'm going to work for my dad and she was like you ruined your life <laughs> she was like you ruined your life what have you done blah 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 and that was that so then my my career then was re-upholstery so that was with my dad and his local business um and then yeah we kind of for me we we always wanted to work together um we wanted to create like we we was always doing what we we're doing and obviously we were yeah. we were good at it right but we were like oh let's let's try and create an app together let's let's try and put our brains together and do something and it just clicked obviously that job happened which yeah. we haven't discussed yet but there was that light bulb moment it was like why don't we just do what we do you're an upholster i'm a joiner let's let's put the two and two let's together combine let's combine and, and let's start something and yeah. obviously that project which we spoke to you earlier about that come to light as well yeah. which helped yeah let's yeah start. so there was this uh this this uh story you told off air about you got one of your first jobs and yeah. it went really well, but right at the end when some of the panels <laughs> were falling off well for about <laughs> half an hour and he got the phone call. Yeah. So again, it's like, it's, it's your, your well, the people that you know, obviously it helps, doesn't it? With how to get into these avenues and stuff. And um, so a family friend of mine had a house up in St. Albans way. And he was like, Jay, can you come to a cinema room for me? And I was thinking, well, this ain't gonna be too bad. I was like, all I've got to do is cut some panels. I've got to upholster them and I've somehow got to fix them to the wall. And I was like, yeah, I'll go do it. So I went up there on my own and I was working the weekends and that getting it done. So obviously I was working full time with my dad. Um, so I went there, done it all, couple of weekends. Soon as I come back, I drove in, driving down the M25 and he calls me up, he goes, Jay, He's like, all the panels are falling off the wall. And I was like, oh no, I'm gonna have to go back. So I went back, sorted it all out on that, um, come home. Then the next week he calls me up and goes, Che, I've got you a, um, I've got you a cinema room. I went, it's in Stanmore. Come and see me and the client at the house at this address, blah, blah, blah. So I pull up to this house the next week. I'm 19 years old. I'm thinking, I don't, not really know what I'm walking into until I get down the private road. And um, I pull up to the house and a three million pound house and Imagine I go in it. there. Yeah, and I had an interior designer there at the time, had an AV guy there. Obviously the guy who recommended me, who is his family friend as well. Um, and then obviously the client and their family. So I'm standing there a little bit, never out of reach for me because I'm good with people and I feel like I can always I'm good in situations like that but kind of caught me off guard a little bit and um, so I'm having this proper meeting with everybody and I'm thinking buddy oh last week the panel's falling off the wall I need to do something <laughs> about this and um, so then I come out of there and that's when I called Tyler and I was like mate I was like I've got this amazing job I went I really could do with your expertise and the joinery side of things I went I'll do all the upholstery I was like let's just try and do this and let's try and smash it mm. and then hopefully this is going to be our future so I was like got the job completely underpriced it mm. um lost money hands mm. over like no doubt about that um but we went in there together we treated first it like few it, weekends treated it like it was the best job in the world yeah. and it was for us because it was, the it was first amazing job, but yeah 
the, the amount of time we spent on it, we was there like, I remember finishing work of an evening in London and then driving to her house in Stanmore to like do yeah. work there of an evening and stuff just to get it done. But like, it took so long, didn't yeah, it? It was perfect. But then the at end. the end, I remember yeah. we walked around and we was like, we, when we looked at the finish room, we was like, we, we've definitely, we're onto something now. Mm. And I remember coming out of there actually, when we finished the job, we had all the finished photos, which we then put onto our Instagrams early on. And um, we put it on some forum that you was with, we charged like £2,000 for this cinema room. Whereas in hindsight, looking at a room like that now, Crazy you're one. probably talking maybe 50, 60,000 pounds now. So like you can imagine we did not earn a single penny out of that room, but it's got us to where we are now. So, and then we put it onto the forum, didn't we? And it was like, how much do you think this room is? Like to try and get these people to kind of do similar to us. And we're like 30 grand, 40 grand. And we and him looking at <laughs> each other, we like, charge two grand for know, that. We didn't, the thing is like, we, we didn't have any spite or nothing. We was like, it is what it is. We, th yeah. it started the idea. And then from that as well, um, we had another client come through through the same guy that you did yeah. the cinema room for in the first place he basically said I've got another client who um, he's interested in another cinema room we was like alright okay but he wants to and he was like he called us up he was like I want to see the cinema room you're doing now and we was like how are we gonna yeah. how are we gonna get him to ask, see it get this guy <laughs> to come into our client's house without saying another client anyway we just basically said look one of our friends is gonna come in and look at the room is that alright if he does he come in he had a look literally for one minute and he just went straight back out and then we get a phone call whatever in yeah. a couple of weeks time he said mate i want you boys to do our cinema room and he was like can you do a bed so then it then it went on to a bed so it was from cinema rooms to then mm -hmm. a bed and then and it was like we can do beds we didn't know how to do it we just literally designed and made yeah. it ourselves wouldn't it we just put our heads together and well, like, I, I saw on your uh, your website actually so so you, you're known for your brand is sofas bedrooms dressing rooms home cinemas mirrors and, and media units and i was going to ask actually why these elements and how, how what 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 did you start with obviously you've covered that now yeah. mm. um because I know very well myself doing up my own home from external to internal and yeah. having all like, the furniture and stuff, you can spend a huge amount of money. In yeah. actual fact, it's a never-ending kind yeah. of cost. Yeah, you're right. You can go absolutely OTT mm. on it. Um, what's the most expensive kind of elements that you install? Is it the, the beds or is it more like, like the sofas and cinemas? It's to to be honest, it's probably it? joinery packages because there's more involved in them. But I feel like as a whole, like, the most expensive thing is if you're going to do a full house project. So like if you, if you're kitting out, you've got a say a 12, you've got 13, 14 rooms in your house, you're going to be spending like 400 ish grand on home interiors for that. Especially if you've got a big house, you need a fair few bits. Mm. So it's hard to say anywhere like that, because obviously if you just say just a median or just a bed, we can, we can pluck up the number and say, oh, most expensive bed is going to be this much but for us now it's more of the package so obviously like Chase said like yeah. we're doing a whole package for a whole house or maybe like the best house or the 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 rooms that they want to show off the most in the house and they, they'll they might settle for a little bit of a cheaper yeah. option in other rooms but yeah we're kind of doing a whole package so what that could be is like the mead unit it could be the the interior design that could be everything in it sofas the whole lot really what about the most expensive package that someone's got like how, how much are you talking so i think our biggest package was when we must have done nine rooms and it was 370 grand mm. plus and this was going back a 
yeah. a bit as well. So yeah, going back a bit, but like we've got some really nice projects ahead of us. But obviously, we've we've priced up of some big ones. Yeah, like, you know what it's like. People come yeah. to like say they they want you to price up their job, and we, you look at it and you think this is going to be the biggest job ever, and like yeah. it's going to be this many hundreds of thousands, and you it, they never come off. Like do you know what I mean? It always happens. Like yeah, price big ones, but. But like we've come a long way from just doing the single items like when we first started. So like going back to that guy who obviously went to the cinema room and asked us for the beds, we were making them beds under Tyler's Nan's carport. Mm. So like we were very limited to what we could do. And all we purely was doing was upholstery products and small joinery products. And that was mostly just sofas and beds because we didn't have a workshop. We didn't have anything like that. So we couldn't do it. Do you know, so what I'm interested in is some people can run a good company and make a really, really good living. And then yeah. some people have a vision to turn that company into a brand. And when I look mm. at your brand, Harper Charles, clearly on your website, clearly the t-shirts that you wear, clearly how you hold yourself and also your Instagram, mm. it's very much a brand that stands for yeah. something. And you, even though by the text and logo, it stands for luxury. Yeah. Mm. And of course, knowing that you've worked with footballers, celebrities, people who are in the public domain, clearly you've got a very, very good reputation as well as a um, client base. Yeah. So was the mission always to be in a luxury sector and always to make your brand a luxury organization? Always. Was. Always, yeah. It was really, yeah. Like we always knew, like we're both from a small town and like there's not many people that kind of leave out of that town. And like we just always, when we first got them couple of jobs, it just opened up our eyes. Mm. It probably wasn't until we got that first job in Stanmore, we thought this is, this is for Levels, us. Yeah. Like we thought we need to be a part of this and like how can we do it? And then obviously that's how we've got into that high-end sector um and like also not just not even just with the work thing and everything like the whole work um load and everything like that it's actually more so the whole lifestyle mm. that, that some of our clients may live it's like it's inspired us to kind of want to work hard and push towards that for us as well mm. yeah. so yeah and you know, like your, your logo, your text and stuff, and mm. even your social media, it's all very, very slick, all very, very clean. I see you've got two Instagram pages as yeah. well, which is your showroom and then obviously your, your main page, and I've had a look, yeah. look, look through, 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 through both. That, that's another kind of skill set that you need to have in order to turn your business into a real brand. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, did you, how did you pivot that, and when did you start kind of adopting that concept of becoming a proper, proper brand? Yeah, I mean... Tyler is a lot of the reasoning behind it all. He's got a good eye for everything and he don't let nothing slip. So mm. I'll let you take that. <laughs> yeah, no, so design-wise, like you pick up things from all different people and industries, right? Like we might pick up an idea from a watch dealer. They're not necessarily doing what we do, but I like that idea and I think that would be cool in our market. It's like, I think throughout the time, throughout the seven years we started, I've been we've been doing that every single year, right? And just trying to, I don't know the word, but like tweak, yeah, tweak and like remodel and like refine it, refine it yeah. exactly. Like just make little adjustments, just to kind of like stand out a little bit more. too because there's hundreds and thousands of joinery companies and people doing wardrobes and beds and stuff. But like we like, how can we make ourselves different? Yeah, that's the main thing. Exactly, and I feel like even like what you're saying with our social media and stuff, we try and market things a little bit more. So like we're very fussy with what we upload. Um, even like our branding you're so particular about what font we had 
these t-shirts aren't necessarily our font but on our website it's a font and you mm. notice if it's not that straight away you're like that ain't our font well you can even see on the t-shirts the t-shirt itself even taking off the the the, the text they're, they're they're good quality they're thick and they're they're, they're actually quite stylish as well yeah. Yeah. right and the first impressions always count. Yeah. So like your staff then, when you go into a home for the very first time, you're pressing up the job, mm-hmm. how important is a first impression? Massively. Massive. Massive. Like, we, like we say that, and to be honest, all of our staff is, everyone's relatively young. So we're only 27. And to be honest, majority of our workshop boys and even our girls in our office and our interior designers, we're all very similar ages. We're probably the oldest out of that bunch. It's only our CGI, our CGI guy. Um, and also going back to my comment earlier with my mum saying I ruined my life leaving school. She now works for us. So <laughs> my mum's up there in the age category as well. Um, so when we go to clients' houses, we're, we've got that younger edge, so people feel very comfortable with us. And do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. the, the boys wear these t-shirts. We wear nice trainers. Like we're not trying to be someone we're not. Yeah. We're just we're we're just got that younger edge to it. We are who we are. We're the modern day like people, but we we know what's good and what people expect, and we're trying to do the best we can with the products we offer. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I totally resonate with that. I mean, most galleries you walk around in Mayfair uh, and they're all very, very good and fantastic at what they do. Hmm. But you walk in there and nine times out of 10, I would say you're going to meet someone with a suit. Yeah. With sure. us here, it's, it's casual. It's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's Jordan's on yeah. or it's, you know, Christian uh, Dior trainers on or yeah. it's, you know, a T-shirt. And I don't know, I just feel that promoting street art as well it kind of fits that yeah, more than a three-piece suit yeah yeah and that's why we've gone 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 like that so i resonate mm. with with what you're saying yeah definitely and it's like even even though you say that though it's like with us we're you know like we're a high-end furniture brand if you kind of look back on it, you kind of would expect without seeing our faces say on our instagram or anything like that you would expect straight away for older people to be behind be behind it because it's yeah. quite a, a dated especially upholstery it's an old-fashioned trade yeah. you know there's not many young people coming into it so i think it's quite i think that's probably a massive reason of our success as well is because we've managed to kind of get in with the younger people who we can relate to mm similar interests almost clients have almost felt like they want to give us a chance and uh, do you know i mean and without those chances we wouldn't be here now like i really feel like they've yeah they've definitely been a big part of it obviously but without them kind of when we first started without them giving us a little opportunity opportunity yeah because at the start we obviously didn't have the content and things like that yeah so I know uh, you mentioned that you're only really on instagram at the moment but maybe plans in the future to venture out into other platforms Mm. How much, how much of a tool is Instagram for your business and to get new clients on board? Massive. It's the hundred percent of our business, isn't it? Well, maybe not one hundred percent now with word of mouth and stuff. But as far as content goes, from the get go, it's, it's it's managed. It's grown our business to what it is now. You know, started two of us, like I said, we've got eighteen people now on board. We wouldn't be able to do that with the clients coming through on that platform. So yeah, we've got so much to thank for Instagram, really. So um, going going to some of your clients, obviously we're not going to name any names, but there are the footballers, yeah. there's mm. the high net worth, there's the celebrities, there's the well-known business people out there. Who would you say is the most common demographic that you actually work for? I would say, realistically, it's just 
it's your I'd say successful. It's, it's like, yeah, your business people, like people who've set up their own thing, they're, they've got their own businesses, they might be, we see all sort of different types of businesses, yeah. don't we? So, I mean, I'd say like your, your typical businessman who is doing well, they, they care own. about their, their home and how it looks and stuff like yeah. that. Those sort of people, yeah. And to be honest with you, age-wise, tends to be around 30. Yeah. yeah then our clientele isn't very old. It's, it's actually successful younger people, mm. which is, yeah. New money in it. Right? Yeah. Guys, I wanted to hop on here to once again thank the sponsors of this week's podcast, iSecure Vehicles. When we were searching around for sponsors for the channel, we honestly wanted to get a brand, a company that would give massive amount of value to our audience. And that is definitely iSecure Vehicles. They have a wide range of products which are designed to keep your vehicle, your asset safe and secure. Some of those products are dash cameras, undetected immobilizers, and car tracking systems. Head over to iSecure to look at their products and make sure you say that the Stephen Sully Study podcast sent you there. I want to ask you a bit of a, a, a weird question, and there's a reason why I'm asking this, this question, but I just want to get your kind of initial reaction yeah. on it. Is spending a lot of money on a bed a good investment? course yes why <laughs> maybe it's not a good investment in the way that a return of money mm. however it's a good investment because you have that room that you go to every single night it's like having a bad mattress mm. like you want to have a good mattress and you want to um, wake up in the morning feeling fresh you don't want to yeah. look at your bed and, and look back at it and go i'm not going to make that you want to look at it and think i need to make my bed because what they've done looks looks amazing do you know what i mean you need yeah. to it's that first part of the day if you don't if you don't make your bed you're, you're just setting yourself up for a bad day right yeah what um what actually makes a good bed life a good bed <laughs> yeah. Charles. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you why i asked this question is because um i thought about it a lot and you know um the, i've listened to a lot of podcasts and i've gone into places like harrods and selfridges where you know you get pitched different beds and yeah. stuff and uh, a lady said to me once, she said, she said, what car do you drive? Now, I don't drive a car now, but I don't, I don't have a car because I don't need one. But at the time I had a Bentley, I had a Bentley Supersport. So nice. she said, how much you paid for it? And I told her, and she said, you're only gonna spend X amount of time in your life driving that car, whereas a third yeah. of your life is gonna be in the in bed. Best. And the moment she said that, I almost felt a bit stupid spending yeah. the money on the car. And it is true, right? If you have a good night's sleep, if you've got a really good bed, mm. you really do wake up in the morning yeah. feeling recharged, fresh, and ready to attack the day. Definitely. Is that kind of your pitch when you're selling someone a 10, 20, 30,000 pound bed? Maybe, do you know what? We haven't used that, but we might pinch that from you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's quite good, I like that. But and like, I, don't, I wouldn't say we've ever had to really ever like pitch, pitch as such. Either, right, because, yeah. yeah, people are obviously coming to us they, they've seen our Instagram or like word of mouth. They've kind of, their friends have recommended us like saying these guys. Or they've seen their friend's house. Yeah, like so they've, they've seen the quality or around their friend's house, Yeah, whatever. But we've never had to go and kind of like sell it to them. <laughs> it's not, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But like, I, I get what you're saying though. Like I, sometimes I, it's kind of like, it's hard to explain, but like with our, with our bed say, it's like people always tend to see one that we've previously done, even if it's on social media, but they, that's where, why they're coming to us already because they know what they want. Yeah. And then we'll do like a new design for them or anything like that really. Do you reckon, do you, would you say that Harper Charles sells lifestyle rather than sells product? 
lifestyle no, no and products i would say our <laughs> products and our quality that's that's the yeah. whole reason why we're here but we like because we're young we add the lifestyle bit in yeah that's that's the whole reason between and it's like it's kind of become a little bit of a thing now as well like we've got some clients who's like we call it a half child's home mm. because we've we've done every like we've done their rooms in their home and now they it's a half child's home to them they love it and it's like we had one client once because we do like some nice bedside tables and we always put the fabric bases in there and it's like a nice little thing to our client we embroidered their initials into their bedside so when they open the drawer and we had one that just no, opened the drawer she goes i feel fucking rich yeah. <laughs> just closed it <laughs> The reason why I was touching on the element of sales is, look, we're, we're in Mayfair and Mayfair will sell someone to a certain degree because of the mm. postcode. Yeah. Then the gallery itself will sell someone to a certain degree because of how beautiful and how yeah. spacious the building is. Yeah. The artist or the piece of art will sell itself because of the brand, because of the narrative, the affiliation and the way it looks and feels. But there is an element of that conversation that a slight sale has to be made in order for the person to feel confident to of part course, with the money yes. and that fair exchange. Definitely. And I know Harper Charles, the brand, will yeah. do a bit of the selling and I know your product will do a bit of the selling and your workmanship and how punchy you are will, yeah. will do the selling. But there has to be a point where sometimes someone's a little bit 50-50 on not using you guys, but maybe going from a £10,000 product to a £20,000 product, they're going to yeah. use you. What is that tipping point? How, how, what makes you a good sales To, to win them projects. Yeah. And I think people buy from people. I think our relationship with our clients is so good. Mm. So like, for example, you may come along and you'll purchase an interior design package from us. So if let's just say base that on one room for now. So what comes with that is that you're always going to have one of, we got the girls in the office who's our interior designer who's going to look after you throughout that whole process um, that will design exactly what you require. Um, obviously, we have an idea of what the client wants and we just put our own thing on it and design design it exactly to how we think will look good. Um, and then when, he, when we're ready for a presentation, we go out for lunch with them, we treat them, we sit down, we present them everything, all the samples, the finishes, the CGIs of their rooms. Um, and what comes along with the whole process with that is a relationship mm. and the relationship throughout that which may take two to three weeks say for one room um, it's constant contact really and I feel like you kind of when we get to the point of sitting down having lunch presenting with it's like it's, it's a really nice bond that we've got with them and it's 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 almost like if, if we don't if we don't do work with them in the future, it's almost like a breakup because we've got such a good friendship with them as well as obviously a business relationship with them as well. So I think that's probably what allows, well, that's probably what sells our product is our relationship. Yeah. As you well know, I've interviewed a couple of duos, a couple of founders before, including the Kettle Kids. And when we were chatting about maybe rappers, rapper, there's a typical kind of, uh, item or items that they go will go after yeah and if we're talking stereotypically it might be an ice out chain for example mm. and they're looking to kind of maybe outdo each other and it's a sign of their talent it's a sign of their following it's a sign of their yeah. wealth it's a sign of who they are that's why they do it my question to you is in the football community mm. is there like a bit of a culture for what they what well, they all do via, via you guys dressing room always a dressing room yeah, I because mean, it's always different. I mean, everyone is completely different. Yeah. Like, 
They, yeah, I mean, but like a dressing room is a big thing for them because like they want to put all their nice bits in there, their nice their trainers, trainers like, everything like that. So I think that's a massive, a massive thing that they're definitely most interested in. And then I've always find their their other halves kind of take over on the rest of the house. Mm. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's the only room they're allowed. Yeah, to design. exactly. Yeah, and they're still only allowed half of it, and the the other half's gone. Yeah, <laughs> gone. <laughs> and being young guys, you're probably very very used to it now. You're very yeah. successful. You're building up a brand, building a reputation, and and obviously as time goes on, you get kind of immune to certain scenarios. But when you first got your major celebrity footballer, whoever it may be, yeah. surely you were slightly starstruck. Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was so exciting. It was such a, it felt like a massive achievement. Do you know what I mean? It really did because like we, we literally started with, we had intentions of working together and doing what we wanted to do, but we never had thought that it would ever kind of get to where we're at now. Mm. Um, like so quickly, I mean, I think eventually we knew it was going to get there, but yeah, definitely a little bit starstruck at the time, but now it's quite, it's casual, it's nice. Like we, you just, you we text them and- Yeah, I mean, now we're very more, um, much more professional with it all. Yeah. Aren't we? We're like very calm. It's like, so now we treat them like anyone else. Like they're just another yeah. client to us. And I think they want that as well. They don't Definitely. want to be treated differently or we, yeah. I think it's so important just to treat everyone the same, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Definitely. And a bit of a similar question, but going to these mansions mm. for the very, very first time, for me, you know, getting blown away, but also very, very inspired is, is part of the reason why I watched that YouTube channel upstairs, which yeah. I've shown you earlier. And I walk around Farnborough Park and Kesson Park, even tonight when I go for a run, mm. my route is via Kesson Park and Farnborough Park, yeah. simply because I love looking at houses yeah. as I'm running, running by. There mm. are 10 million pound houses in there, 15 million pound houses in there. And that really inspires me. Yeah. Was there ever a moment you went to a house and thought, oh my God, this is like a castle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we always say there's levels and then there's there's levels above levels. Yeah. You know? Like we've got some clients where you think there's inspiring and then there's, there's some, some dreaming. Some people feel this is a bit out of reach. <laughs> so, so what's the most expensive home you've ever been around? Um, it would have been, I won't say location, but I can say district, probably Hertfordshire, weren't it? About 15 plus, wasn't it? Didn't like it? I think it went up for, it was 20 million, I think it was at the time. Yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah. And if you could describe but, the so, house, basement area, tennis courts, everything so, pristine. Yeah, like, perfect. Pristine. My huge gates, lovely long driveway down to it. Mm. Got a display of cars on the drive and they all have to be parked a certain way mm. for this client. It's like, it's proper. And then the house itself is stunning. Marble staircases, beautiful. Um, there's like a land you look out the back window and it is just fills it's all theirs it's beautiful massive fishing lake and stunning they're actually one of our first clients so after yeah. about just under a year they got into contact with us yeah and we've been working with them ever since yeah they've been good clients to us like very regular and recommended us to other people as well but like yeah. we've we've kept that sort of relationship there as well which is good mm. to keep you mentioned about the client about having a car a certain way and i'm not yeah. trying to pick up on this client but I know dealing with collectors, investors, consumers that there are wicked clients who are all my pals. I've got I've got one particular client who just texts me every so, so often, beer, question mark. And that's just like <laughs> a catch up and then we yeah, talk about yeah. art, he ends up. And the, the side conversation is buying art yeah. and then we go back to talking about drinking beer yeah, or whatever course. else. And this is a Chelsea supporter, I'm a Chelsea supporter and we just, we have a little, little chat. But there are other people a little bit 
deaverish, right? Yeah. Is there, has there been scenarios at times where you felt you've dealt with a diva and it's been yes. quite, quite hard yeah. work? And he always gets them. Yeah, Not I take me. the brunt of it. Yeah. So does uh, Tess who works with us yeah. as well. We <laughs> managed to always take the, get those sort of clients. But Joe, you know like it's, yeah, I mean, it's just how you handle it. And I think going back those years where we had had those clients, you get that gut feeling. And it's so important Like now we listen to our gut from the get-go, like you say, if we ever had that sort of feeling where we think this could, this this person might be a little bit iffy. We might not necessarily yeah. do the work. Back then we'd do it because we think, oh, so there's another job. Hmm. But, and then later down the line, you realize hmm. that they look, they are how you thought they was gonna be. And they make you feel a certain way, which don't make you feel it good. It makes you feel awful. Yeah, it just you know, rips like, you apart. Like, I'll, yeah. I feel like we've, to be fair though, look back in the day, like maybe when we had them clients, like things weren't as good as what they are now. Like we don't, we don't really have that issue. You always get some people that might, do you know what I mean? Then maybe not happy about like, we ain't picked up the phone or something straight away or whatever it is, but it, we've come a long way since then. Also you get, you get people in our industry who are firing. So say if a client kicks off to, to them, they'll just kick off back to them. Like, whereas mm. we, we handle things differently. We're yeah. not gonna start shouting and saying, oh yeah, da da da. We're gonna do it in a professional way and try and diffuse the situation. Although it's still a bit- Killing with kindness. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, what I was trying to get to as well is, is uh, there, there are gonna be those times when people kind of unreasonable, they're mm. gonna be quite condescending. They're gonna talk down at you. How do you learn to keep calm in them scenarios and to come back with killing them with kindness, but almost to be methodical in your approach and yeah. trying to diffuse the situation? Yeah. How do you do that? I think for us now, moving forward, we just, we, cause we can read up, we have such good relationships with our clients so we can read them really well, right? So we know all of our clients that we've got now, who's gonna say stuff, who isn't gonna say stuff? Like, you know, it's true, yeah, isn't it? Like, we can, yeah. And with the people that we know is, is gonna say stuff, we make sure, and with everyone, but like even more so, we're like, this is gonna be 100%. We don't wanna give them anything. This is, yeah. we have to treat it like that, don't we? Mm. So we just make sure like when we're doing the whole job, the, the process is, is faultless. Yeah, and communication. I yeah. think, to be fair, right, communication is the most important thing. If we're gonna, not that it really happens now, but we're gonna be delayed by a few days to come into sight, we'll just, tell them as soon as we know. We're not gonna drag it out and make an excuse. I think, like we say, I think we can be that upfront with them purely because of our relationship so good. Yeah. More of a question about the entrepreneurial side of stuff. I mean, mm. you know, you're clearly both uh, good at your, 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 your chosen professions, but there's a difference bet between being a good skills, skilled person to becoming a CEO or a founder or running a business. So how did you transition from being on the tools to actually operating yeah. the business? Um, I feel like we're both very, like we're both very much like get up and go. So nothing like even from the get go of our business when we were on the tools, like we, we learned to deal with the growth of it very quickly. And to be quite honest, we've learned a hell of a lot from our clients. Mm. Like we speak to them so much, especially the people we were saying about earlier, we've spoken to them, successful business people, and they kind of given us guidance and tips along the way and whatnot. But to be honest with you, it's purely just come down to our relationship. Mm. Like we're, 
I don't, I could never have done this like as a business without Tyler. And I'd like to think it would be vice the, yeah, the, the same back. Um, we've always had each other with every business decision or to kind of sit back with and discuss and be like, I think we should try this, try this avenue. We've tweaked things and changed things a million times. And we probably still will going forward as we keep growing. But I think the key thing for us and learning business as we're going along is having each other and making these decisions together. I think if it was just me on my own, there probably may have been very different decisions along the way and vice versa. If it was, if his, um, if it was you on your own, mm-hmm. he would, you'd still be working. Yeah, like, yeah He would exactly. still be working. That's yeah. the thing, the difference between, we're like yin and yang, aren't we? So yeah. that's why we work so well together is like, he's got the work ethic, like he will just hands on, put his hands to anything and just crack on full steam ahead. I'll be more, methodical and have a process towards things yeah like you say like i'm i'm thinking right let's it's there's a there's there's a part of like delegation in there like without us taking a step back from the business if if we're just all hands on deck like making everything we haven't we can't grow the business at all we can't we can't uh, do any brand development we can't do any like r d we're just literally making the work in which i said the work's the easy part We'd, we need like to focus on the business side of things to yeah. get to where we want to be. And future plans and stuff as well. Like it's really important that we dedicate time for that. So definitely. Mm. There's the old saying in the entrepreneurial world, you can either work in the business or work on the business. Yeah, and exactly. they're both very, very important. But mm. sometimes at the start of being founders and trying to bootstrap the whole, whole project or company, you're working so much in the business, you're losing sight where the business should be going and what the brand should be yeah. doing. And, and that is the hard mindset sometimes of oscillating between one to the yeah. other before you have staff members can take things off your hands. Exactly. And the other thing is, this is your baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. So therefore you don't want to let go. No, no you're but right. But you have to let go have, in order yeah. for, that, for that brand to, yeah. to, to thrive. I've struggled the most with that. Mm. Like, like I said, I'm very hands-on with things. I like getting involved. But for me, like trusting other people to come in and, and do their thing, that's what I've mostly struggled with. Mm. But yeah, but quickly learn that this is the way forward yeah so, for yeah. sure well it's either a glorified job or it's a real brand right exactly. yeah exactly there, there is a big difference between the two massively my my question to you is in roughly about seven years what is the major challenges setbacks and hurdles that you guys have faced um i would say to kick things off i would say probably the, the biggest hurdles would have probably been not having um things that we have in house in house now yeah like you true. say so like because basically say for instance we're doing a project and we're outsourcing all of the spray and stuff we might get delayed two weeks three weeks it comes back to us we check it it's wrong then we have to delay our client it, it just delays the whole process whereas now obviously we have these things in house so that for one thing's obviously good yeah but. definitely i think so mostly as every business as well as staff mm. it's hard to get like good people to always and maybe like I always find like really good people kind of want to go and do their own thing maybe sometimes so you we've got to really give people good incentives to stay with us and we we always treat it like this ain't about our journey me and Tyler this is about the whole company's journey like we want everybody to grow with us like if we're if we're smashing it in the workshop we're smashing installs jobs are going so smoothly we're winning these projects we're fitting them and everything is going well i want everyone to come up with us and be awarded like rewarded with that as well we're not selfish in that respect yeah like having a winning um, culture and we they've probably we, been the most two challenging things i would say haven't they 
Yeah, staff and, um, and staff and what would you even class the other thing? Just, yeah, don't know. <laughs> um, what, what's been happening with the economy recently and also with political news and stuff is this whole thing of Brexit. Yeah. Obviously, I've, I've, I've got HMOs and I built a, uh, a gym in my garden area like an outhouse uh, a few years ago and then yeah. I replicated it but by, by doing a smaller one for a ice bath and sauna yeah See that. and is it you know the smaller one costs more than the bigger one because of the price of materials have gone up yeah. so much so one how much is the hike of um uh materials how much has it affected your business and the overall yeah. customers brexit and then also mortgage hikes now i know that might not affect you directly but at the end of the day all of these individuals they've yeah. probably got mortgages and loans yeah. and yeah. now they're being pinched has that affected them making decisions and yeah. buying with you guys for like the first one with materials um materials are kind of settled now haven't they yeah i mean they're all good during covid though or like, they got crazy yeah they started creeping up every yeah. every week would get an email from suppliers saying prices are going up prices are going up and yeah. to be honest with you because the jobs were confirmed we had to take the brunt of that we couldn't yeah. we couldn't just say to our client oh the sheet of oak veneer has now gone up you're gonna have to pay us more we just looked at it and think we're just gonna have to yeah. at all times we've got like a four to six month lead time so we're taking a 50% deposit to secure that spot in the diary for that client's project so obviously we've, we can't then change the prices because a sheet of oak veneer has gone up by mm. 50% more mm. so yeah like Ty said we did have to take the brunt mm. of that um, but now it's all pretty sensible again I think and it's, it's kind of levelled off a little Definitely. bit um, I think in regards to mortgages and the rates like the interest rates and everything at the moment I do feel like we're again we're a good few months in advance with our project so we're very lucky on that behalf and I feel our niche clientele don't really get feel affected by the economy like if anything I remember in COVID they were growing in it mm. like the amount of our clients who would set up a PPE um, shop online and start selling face masks and gloves mm. and all of this stuff and, and earning it's from it opportunity yeah. for some people um, but I do feel like people especially this year I feel like they've definitely been a little bit harder to get confirmed and over the line or maybe wanting to just hold back on certain things and I don't know why whether that's to do with like the market with like the price with the um, interest rates and stuff but I would say it's definitely had a little bit of impact definitely yeah for sure yeah. Um, you've grown your social media pretty well over 30,000 followers obviously you young guys got a really good brand and you're working with some credible people mm. I know what comes with that territory is hate <laughs> Do you ever get a bit of hate, a bit of slander from competitors, from people that you used to know or people that used to be in your peer group? I feel like no. you're going to say yeah. I feel like he's going to say yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> no, no, we, we are, like say, we no, yeah. kill them with kindness. If there's anyone that does hate us, like we, we don't hate anyone. Do you know what I mean? We're not those sort no. of people. And we kind of stay in our own lane in that, in that way. Like we want to see people do... Um, We're in our own Yeah, bubble. we want to see people do well. Like yeah. you say, we was talking about... Um, kettle kids and th those guys seeing them grow yeah. throughout the years as well like we want to see that and for us you kind of get a little bit of uh you feel some like you feel good seeing other people do that as well yeah, and like agreed. even for us we're the same right yeah but it's like we're school friends and local that like, are friends and stuff out no problem whatsoever i remember when we first um like started up our company there there was a a, a certain couple of companies who were 
because we, we were quite young, we was like, and we were literally doing some nice bits. We had them projects from the get go. Um, they didn't like it at all. And I, we had a few little moments with them, but that was years ago now. And it's like way in the past, but mm. yeah, since we don't really, yeah. there's work for everyone. So I don't know why, but yeah, you kind of, didn't really like the fact that we were the new kids on the block doing these nice beds and sofas and whatever it was in similar areas. And well, yeah. some people look at it like you're taking work away from them. So but yeah, they, see you as a, they see you as opposition, right? Yeah. Like it's, you just, everyone's out here doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Plenty of work to go around. Well, the reality is if they're going elsewhere and they're not using the older companies who've been around longer, yeah. that's not a newest on them, right? Because yeah. if they're if they if they if they're losing the business, they got to look at mm. themselves. It's not because someone else has come in; it's exactly. because they not might not be fulfilling their, exactly. their needs. Exactly, and yeah. It's a, it's an opportunity actually to redefine yeah. yourself. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And yeah, it's all about better products, better service, and yeah, it's true. It's an experience, isn't it? Like with what we mm. do, it's not just it isn't just like you come and you drop a table off. It's the whole experience. We're trying that. That's where the lifestyle comes in. We're trying to make it the whole the whole uh, experience like unique in ordering furniture yeah trying to change the game from the, yeah. from, from from start to finish and yeah. so your brand then is it going to be solely on what you're doing right now or in five or ten years time how is the brand going to evolve how is it going to change yeah. and what is the mission behind it so it's probably it's probably a little bit sooner than that to be fair so for the last year we've been working on a whole new platform on our website so like we said earlier about all our eggs are in one basket at the moment on instagram and although although we've climbed with our clientele and everything and i almost feel like there's a massive market where we may have we may have intimidated them a little bit and therefore oh, I don't want to inquire about a price for that because it, it might look a bit too expensive for what we want to spend. Whereas there are products we can make which will suit these people mm. and I really want them people to have a Harper Charles product. Mm. So we've been working on, at the moment we've got like over 250 um, products. So we're going to have a website launching next year um, which is going to have all Harper Charles um, freestanding products in set sizes um, and also all different options of like stains or fabrics and so on. So the idea of this is that it will be like an online shop. So instead of just having the interior design service and the bespoke work, um, which is so time consuming for us as well, um, we want to tap into these people that can go on our website and they might kit their whole house out with four beds, four lots of bedside tables, sofas, um, media units, um, and we'll come in on Monday and be like, oh, we've got a whole house here on order. Someone's ordered it over the weekend. Mm. So that's what we want to do, more products off the shelf, but they're Harper Charles products. I think that definitely helps grow the brand, uh, the brand massively because what we wanted to eventually come to is you might go around someone's house and you go, I've seen that, that's a Harper Charles bedside table. The more, like, obviously yeah. we can pump out in that sort of respect, the more uh, our furniture is going to be recognised. Yeah. And that's what we want, ideally. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I know you've only been in business for a relatively short time and you're young guys, but with what you've known, you've learned right now and your experiences, let's just say a young male, young female, maybe another duro is about to go down yeah. a path of maybe not in your sector but just developing a brand or maybe even in your, in your sector mm. what kind of advice what kind of insight can you give them what kind of soundbite can you say right now that is going to keep them positive and focus on their mission i would just say 
just literally go and network with so many different people just mm. just it's whoever you're in the room with like if, if you can hold a conversation with someone and like you say you might not you might not, nothing might not come from it but you've i've now spoken to you and now you guys know us and yeah. someone might come through the door and go oh furniture i know two guys for that can do furniture blah blah maybe put you in contact but it's it's networking is one massive thing i think and then yeah, yeah. and i think for going by our past experience is just the hard work mm. <laughs> that's the most for mm. us it was the, the the biggest thing of where we are now and i'm not saying it's the right thing and it definitely isn't the right thing now to work seven days a week every evening late getting early but for us for a good two to three years that's what we've done and i think that's a massive reason why we are where we are now i feel like uh, another thing you need to know your industry inside out don't you so you need to be obsessed with what you're doing so mm. when you're speaking to someone you you can, fill them with confidence yeah, exactly yeah yeah that's such an important thing yeah the thing that we haven't spoken about yet is um you recently came up with a concept of taking the work week down from five days to mm. four days why are you now only working four days rather than five well we're really working five but in, in four, four days, days. <laughs> so we don't want people to think we're getting lazy yeah. and just want to have a long weekend but we're constantly working anyway but. yeah we are like obviously me tyler the girls like we're always in touch with clients and everything like that over the weekends and so on but it was more so just a thing for all of our staff and we thought we always see on a friday like production like productivity will kind of drop off a little bit so i said to ty i was like mate why don't we try and go down to a, a four-day week obviously working five-day hours um let's try let's see if everyone was is up for it everyone was like yes love it i want to do it so we trialed it and we've extended it and yeah, we haven't we really back. gone back yet no. and to be quite honest with you productivity is so much better and everyone on a monday they come in they feel refreshed they've had a weekend you know so they're ready to go again so we're doing six till half five monday to thursday it's a long day mm. but everyone's so like up for it because they know friday well, Thursday at half five is the weekend. Mm. So yeah, so far so good. And to be honest with you, we'll probably trial it into up to Christmas still. And then, it, but it's been pretty good, hasn't it so far? We, we always said if we if there was going to be a red flag and the productivity was down, we yeah. just we wouldn't do it because for us, obviously, we'd be paying everyone five days, but they'd only be doing say four days, three days worth of work. So for mm. us, it'd be no point in doing it. And obviously, the guys would be uh, benefiting from that. But yeah. the work, like obviously, we set out the schedule anyway. So I mean the schedule has been it's been if not it's been better hasn't yeah because the days yeah. are longer you actually get more done in the day mm. like realistically don't you yeah agreed is there like a final goal for harper charles we want our products everywhere mm. like we want to be we in some of these big, big yeah we want to be in at a good pace though. i don't want to do anything too soon no. but um yeah five years time from now we want to have our products we want interior designers using our products on their projects which they'll be able to buy off our website um we want to be into some of these high street um shops where, where our products are on display very niche like area of it um and most of all just keep growing and just yeah. become a better and bigger business yeah mm. have you set your sights on when that exit could be or when you like to retire <laughs> we haven't put <laughs> there's, no, retire. Nah, there's no yeah i don't think we'll ever stop doing no. anything anyway like we've we like, just it's just in us and it's probably yeah. the same as you. you you never will stop it's like whatever you're doing it's like there's always something else isn't yeah. there like there's you, you do one thing and then it gives you another idea to do something else if you've got that mm. in you some people some people don't have those little ideas they're just happy to just 
do that one thing and that's yeah. it that keeps they're content but like for us we're just ruthless like it's an idea after an idea after an idea I just yeah. do his head in like he, like, he does do my head in with ideas if I'm honest <laughs> although he has got idea book and it's got nothing in it but they're all in my head now <laughs> <laughs> but like for, for us after Hub Charles like we've got plans which we want to we want to do um, still very much involved still in houses and interior but like mm. we've just got a massive passion for it mm. and like we we wouldn't we wouldn't be doing what we're doing now if we didn't love it and we love yeah. it so like it's right now it's very much Harper Charles through and throughout 100% fantastic stuff mm. my closing question is this I came up with my own catchphrase my own yeah. mantra and it goes like this be happy never content if I were to ask the founders of Harper Charles what does be happy never content mean to you you can go first be happy never content I think it so being happy I, I, I feel like it's being present is is yeah being present and never content i would say it's quite don't hard. settle isn't it like so yeah it's hard to say i think being present is one thing you need to be be present in life like we can have all this stuff going on but if you're not present in certain situations with your family and stuff like that like what are you doing it all for you need to have a good balance mm. but never content i feel like we are never content yeah so how i would uh, yeah i'm not too sure but yeah it's quite a hard question to actually answer. Yeah. It's actually a conflicting statement. It kind well. of is. I and like we're what, never content. What I take from that and how I see that is that when you're kind of so involved in things and like we we'll, we have always, I say people come up to us like, oh, you boys are doing so well, like well done. We don't ever take a step back to be content, content with what we've got and be proud of what we've achieved. Um, so I feel like, like you say, it's very conflicting. Oh, I like that. Myself. I like that saying though. It's cool. Yeah be happy never content yeah mm. I feel like for me it's a state of mind mm. uh, whether you're happy at the time or a bit of sad there's always a bit of silver lining and you can yeah. appreciate what you've got but at the same time if you stand and admire it too much then you're never going to push on and, and achieve yeah, what exactly. you can possibly yeah. achieve it's true um, I do a bit of boxing and I remember a lot of my coaches one particular coach if you pulled off a good shot he would go to you, stop admiring what you've done because you'll just get hit. Yeah, and true. it's so true. Like sometimes when you catch someone, you're like, oh yeah, that was good. And yeah, before you know it, whack, yeah. you've just been hit. So you've got to keep on moving forward with it. And that's where it comes from. But what it's fine is it's, you don't do it when you're in and amongst it, but it's very important to take a little step back and realise where you're at. But we don't do it, do we? No. no. Never. Never. And <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for coming on board, sharing your success story, the entrepreneurial journey, and who knows, in five years, ten years down the line, we could do a part two. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Thank you. For thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Be happy, never content, and make sure you are subscribing and sharing. Cheers. Cheers.